today on Ag News Daily. Unless we get into some major, you know, a drought next year and we really get these politicians where the food versus fuel debate continues, I, I still look for ethanol to stay strong here into the future. Brought to you by Mystic Lubricants. For a look at their full range of top quality products, visit mysticlubes.com. That is M-Y-S-T-I-K-L-U-B-E-S.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Delaney Howell joined again today by Tanner Winterhoff on this uh, interesting Monday afternoon. Tanner, we've got a lot of news in the headlines today about weather, but I tell you what, I was at the state fair on Friday and we had quite a bit of severe thunderstorms sweep through the Des Moines area and somebody got struck by lightning and passed away at the state fair on Friday. Holy smokes. Yes, I heard that uh, if you were at the state fair for eight hours, you would have spent half of those getting wet. Yeah. Some much needed rain hit our area. It did. And some not so much needed thunderstorms or lightning, I should say. But yeah, the fairgrounds were absolutely just disgusting, muddy mess. I, of course, got to the state fair as the rain was starting, so I got super drenched and my feet were cold and wet all night. But I didn't have it that bad compared to the person that, yeah, two people actually got struck by lightning and one passed away. And I don't know about the other one, but not good. No, that is not good. What's also not good is another strike. See what I did there? I got it. Thank you. Really, really doesn't make the transition nearly as impactful when you point it out yourself, does it? No. But a trade union uh, on Monday warned of more strikes in UK's largest container port. Pay demands are not being met, and they are threatening to cause further disruptions to the supply chain. Workers at Felixstowe Port in southeastern England began their eight-day strike over pay, simply just over wages, on Sunday. In the latest industrial action, as decades high inflation intensifies and the country's cost of living continues to grow. So sounds very familiar, Delaney, to what we have going on here in the U.S., they say that the pay offered to receive, that they've been received, has not even kept close to the rate of inflation that is now surging over 10% in the UK. So more than 2,000 dock workers are on strike at UK's largest container port. Well, I've got an update here on the railroad strike that could be happening here within the next 30 days. But reactions have largely been mixed since we saw the PEB or Presidential Emergency Board release their report last week for how folks should or their recommendations for how folks should move forward. Uh, Some have been in favor of it and some have been not so in favor of the recommendations that they made. But they said that the projections set forth in the record regarding the future economic state of the freight rail industry are positive, and this is reflected in a number of facts, including the projections regarding steadily increasing volume shipped over the next 20 years, environmental and other considerations that provide freight rail with a very favorable comparison to truck and other modes of transportation, and the projections of carrier earnings. So sounds like a little bit of a mixed bag there. But as I mentioned, but they have until September 16th at 12.01 a.m. to sign a deal or we could see a rail strike, Tanner. Yeah, I tell you what, it seems like no matter what news source you look at, there are headlines related to 
those strikes. Uh, so certainly not going to miss a story there if any updates come our way. The Another form of strike is Japan, considering the deployment of more than 1,000 long-range cruise missiles in an increased ability to potentially show its counter-regional counterpart, China, that they have some legs to stand on by themselves. These missiles have a range of 620 miles, enough to reach China. The country plans to upgrade its existing surface-to-shift missiles, but this is another warning sign that comes after continued visits are from U.S. officials to Taiwan. Japan is uh, looking to potentially hit land-based targets. These acts of tests are just to point out that the southwestern region of China is not necessarily safe. So we talked about Taiwan's parade of visitors continuing. The Indiana governor visited Taiwan. So he is the first sitting U.S. governor in nearly three years that visited there today. So Monday's report, Eric Holcomb met with, met in Taipei with the island's president, continuing that string of U.S. officials. Mr. Holcomb was careful to avoid commenting on frictions with Beijing. He claims that Taiwan, as a part of China, has, uh, you know, very important responsibilities to continue trade negotiations with U.S. lawmakers. So uh, interesting to see Delaney on that side of the world, more intense focus on that relationship with the U.S. and Taiwan. Well, Tanner, and speaking of China, we saw the China Central Bank cut interest rates causing concern again for global economic recessions. The Chinese central bank cut rates by 15 basis points, and some analysts are wondering if that was even enough uh, due to the continued lockdowns that China is facing and suggesting that China is also fully in a recession as well as the United States. But um, Tanner was reading something else today that said China is continuing to face severe lockdowns as their COVID cases hit a three-month high last week, resulting in more restrictions and localized lockdowns, which certainly is not positive for their economy. They're also, of course, dealing with severe drought in the Yangtze River Valley, and that is continuing to stress the agricultural sector there as well. The drought so far sounds like it's expanded to about 5.4 million acres in nine different provinces, Tanner. Wow, that is pretty severe. But we know here locally that drought can very quickly turn into other natural disasters. And we've got information from fellow host of the podcast, Cassidy, stating that some family and, and people in the areas of Texas are now experiencing flash flood warnings. According to a lot of news sources, severe downpours are threatening to wash out previous drought-stricken southwestern areas. After a weekend of flash flooding, uh, even rescue teams at the Zion National Park are searching for a hiker to be have to be believed was swept away from floodwaters. So uh, quite a bit of that region. Also looking at Oro Valley, Arizona, Flood waters rushing through that area, flood flash flooding throughout most of Arizona. Again, the Oro Valley is getting a huge brunt of that. Nearly 8 million flood alerts have been issued nationwide. Now, a lot of those are coming in that Texas, Arizona area, the south 
west, south, and southwest. But again, that Colorado River is still experiencing record drought conditions, and that level is continuing to decrease itself. So some much needed rainfall, Delaney, in those areas, but unfortunately came way too quickly and way too much because now we're battling the other side of things with some significant drought or significant flood impacts. Absolutely. And markets certainly reacted to quite a bit of that rainfall that we saw over the weekend and flooding in some areas, Tanner. But like you said, there are still quite a few portions of the country that remain substantially dry, including other parts of Texas, central Texas, stretching northward to Oklahoma, Kansas, the Dakotas, etc. They all experienced some light rainfall, but rainfall has still been 25% less than normal in a lot of those key wheat growing states. And abnormal dryness and moderate drought expanded in central Montana last week, According to the U.S. Drought Monitor, as well as parts of Washington and Idaho are starting to see creep-ins of expanded drought as well. And Tanner, as we know, the Pro Farmer Crop Tour kicks off today in the eastern and western leg. We're going to be chatting with Ted Seyfried for later today, which will air on the podcast tomorrow, talking about what he saw in the Nebraska western leg But it's going to be really telling to see just how bad is our yields looking in western Nebraska, Nebraska, and western Iowa. Those are kind of the big question marks right now that a lot of analysts say they're watching to see what comes out of this week's tour. Yeah, that is always one that's fun to watch. Of course, we we talked about DTN's virtual crop tour and the results that we received out of that side. But this is boots on the ground, real calculations, obviously samples randomized. So it'll be neat to keep pace with them. But besides just a couple more areas of weather, flood watch advisories, I have no more news for today. So again, we're looking at Southern Oklahoma, Southern Arkansas, according to the National Weather Service, they are now in flood watches and advisories it's from two to three inches of rain have already fallen in that area with more coming. Of course, Delaney, we woke up to fog here in Iowa. And we know what the old wives' tales say about that is there's probably going to be some mid-harvest rains if you follow the 90 days after fog comes rain. So interesting to see what types of weather we've got. Of course, there are some potential scattered thunderstorms in the Corn Belt coming late into Tuesday evening. And we'll just have to watch those. But that's what I have for news today on this Monday Ag News Daily Edition. I have just one other quick piece of weather-related news, taking things down south to Brazil, where they are about 89% planted for the Safrina second corn crop. Agrol said harvesting of, excuse me, they, let me pick that up. Heading down south to Brazil, where they are 89% of the way planted for the Safrina corn crop. They said, Agrol said that harvesting of Brazil's second crop would be more advanced if not, if it had not been for the rains. Wait, I'm confused. This, this is confusing me. Okay. Let Don't me worry. That up. It's okay. We've all had our first time trying yeah. to read. I know. Reading is hard. Taking things down south of the border, Tanner, Brazil's safrina corn crop is has reached 89% harvest, according to Ag Rural. They said they would be further along in the harvest season 
if it had not been for some rains in key states, including Paraná, Sao Paulo, and Mato Grosso do Sul, which slowed the work season or harvest season. Uh, so we're continuing to watch that. Of course, they'll get back into the fields within the first two to three weeks of September for the next crop. And we're going to be watching to see, do they get a monsoon season or will it be hot and dry? But Tanner, before we get to markets, I wanted to kick things over. Tanner, before I get to my next piece of news, let's take a quick break from today's sponsor, Sitgo Mystic. Brought to you by Mystic Lubricants. For a look at their full range of top quality products, visit mysticlubes.com. That is M-Y-S-T-I-K-L-U-B-E-S.com. Well, thanks again there to SitGo for that great message to our listeners. Tanner, markets today are looking fairly favorable, even given the timely rains that we had across much of the Midwest as new crop December corn finished five cents higher on the day at 628. New crop soybeans ended 30 cents higher at 1434. September wheat closed 15 and three quarters cents higher at 769. And in the cattle complex, lower on the day as the October contract shed 75 cents to close at 144.50. August feeders, excuse me, September feeders down 40 cents on the day at 184.35. And October lean hawks added 85 cents to the board today to close at 93.97. Tanner, without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation with Jeff French. Well, folks, as promised, we are chatting today with Jeff French of Ag Hedgers. Jeff, how you doing today? Great. How you doing today, Delaney? We are fantastic, Jeff, especially given today's market closes. You know, I was surprised to see in the grains that they continued to hold strong today after we got so much timely rain across a lot of the Midwest. What was going on in corn and soybeans that pushed things higher today? Uh, a couple different things. Uh, first and foremost, the one of the uh, widely followed industry crop tours began today. Uh, they began in western Ohio, heading west, and then they began in South Dakota and uh, Nebraska, heading east. Uh, it's a three-day, four-day crop tour. Uh, they travel the same routes every year. They stop every 12 to 15 miles uh, randomly and take uh, samples from the field. So some of the early reports that we're receiving are some from some of the driest areas, especially out west, and uh, we're seeing some pretty uh, low-yielding crops, and that, that was expected. So I think, you know, you know, we started out the week kind of under pressure uh, from last week's sell-offs, especially in the beans. Uh, so we're kind of getting back into it. I think you just uh, had a limited amount of people willing to sell this, especially with the crop tour uh, going on here this week, um, because I think you're going to find, and we'll we'll see here later this week, but I think you're going to see some yield estimates that uh, don't uh, shape up to what the uh, USDA is telling us, especially this uh, August uh, crop report a couple of weeks ago, uh, where they, you know, increased the bean yield uh, and then lowered the corn yield a little bit, but not as much as expected. So, um, that was pretty good action. You know, you had crude oil down sharply early. Uh, then the Saudis announced that, uh, you know, there's a big disconnect between the futures price and the cash market. Uh, so there is, uh, some serious thought that they could limit production. So that snapped the crude oil 
um, back, you know, it came back $4 off the lows here from this morning and you had natural gas, you know, Europe is in a, in a real big pinch with, uh, getting all of their natural gas from Russia. Uh, right now, natural gas in Europe is 11 times higher than the normal price compared to last year. So they're in a major pinch and that spilled over to our markets here. Natural gas today hit a new fresh 14 year high. So the grain markets, you know, it had a couple of things on the outside markets that helped. Um, but also fundamentally, I, I think uh, with the crop tour going on, uh, you just have a limited amount of sellers in this market until we, you know, see some of those final estimates. So I noticed here over the noon hour that uh, ethanol margins were looking to continue to be quite narrowed as well. Is that going to have a factor into the corn market going forward? as we watch to see, obviously, what the crop tour is doing, but what effect would that have? Well, you know, the ethanol market, I mean, it, you know, you look at some of the best things that's ever happened to agriculture, uh, especially in my lifetime, and there's no question that the ethanol uh, mandate has created more wealth than, than I ever could imagine. So it is obviously a big deal. Um, ethanol has been growing since uh, 2018. Uh, it's estimated that we're going to use about 5.3 billion bushels of corn uh, in that grind here this year. Uh, but also the ethanol margin is coming down because you have gasoline prices. I mean, gasoline nationally, uh, we're down uh, we're down 65 cents for, off the highs from last month. Uh, national average is back below uh, $4 a, a gallon. So still high, no question, still high but definitely a little bit better. So I think that's running into the margins uh, there, uh, but also the grind's been running really good. I mean, there's been extremely good demand. Um, you know, margins are coming down here a little tighter, but uh, uh, I don't see, unless we get into some major, uh, you know, a drought next year and we really get these politicians where the food versus fuel debate continues, um, I, I still look for ethanol to stay strong here into the future. Jeff, we talked a little bit on the podcast earlier today about U.S.-based weather, but we also saw some new news come out from Ag Rural that they're about 89% harvested of the safrina corn crop before they get planted or get back into the fields for this year. What are we expecting to see as far as production numbers for that safrina crop? Well, you know, they are expected to expand. I, I mean, um, and that's been well known in the market, but also, you know, we're going into their main, uh, the growing season. Uh, we're going into, you know, their, their spring and their fall or their summer here over our winter and the expectation that, and it's going to be the third La Nina year. So, uh, you know, it's kind of tricky to judge, you know, third year of that, but the expectations are that it could bring a little bit more dryness to southern Brazil and Argentina areas. So, you know, it, that's a long ways off. Um, I, I still think they're going to continue to expand. Uh, they're going to be a major competitor to us, um, especially for the export business uh, in China for years to come. Um, but, you know, estimating their crop size right now, it's still kind of far away, but, uh, um, at least the second crop, you know, there's no major disasters there right now. Well, you just kind of led me right into my next question about trade relations with China. Uh, we are continuing to have public officials visit Taiwan. How are traders viewing 
the tensions now between the U.S. and China as we continue to build that relationship with Taiwan? Well, you know, different people have different opinions, but I, I, I just, in my personal opinion, and in, in through my company, I mean, we are we're we're worried about it. Um, um, you know, it's in my opinion, it's not a question of if; it's a question of when uh, China invades Taiwan and brings them back to the homeland. Uh, realigning. I think they use the term realigning, uh, whatever that means. But uh, uh, I just think it, it's, it could be disastrous for uh, trade relations. I mean, we're not going to do anything besides do sanctions. And what they'll turn around and do is say, okay, well, we're done buying beans. Uh, we're done buying corn. We're done buying beef. We're done buying pork. I mean, that's pretty much all they buy from us anyway. So uh, there's not too many options that they have. And, and the same with us. If, if, if they do invade, and again, I, I think it's just a matter of when, uh, you know, we're going to hit them with shan- sanctions, and it, it will be, from a trade standpoint, I, I think it could be a disaster. And then you add on Brazil and, and Argentina expanding bean acres. Um, I, I just, I look at this 23 bean crop up here at $14 uh, is something that you got to take advantage of, you know, 20, 30% cash sold. And then protecting the downside on the remaining bushels uh, with some type of paper hedge. Now, Jeff, transitioning over into the cattle complex today, we saw some weakness in live and feeder cattle just due to higher feed costs or something else driving that today. Well, Friday, Delaney, we had the uh, cattle on feed report. Um, you know, it, it, there wasn't too many major surprises. The placements number was 2% higher than last year. We were actually looking for about a 3% reduction. So that weighed on the market. But I, you know, I, I'm really friendly to cattle. I, you know, we're in the fourth year of herd contractions. I mean, this, this herd is continuing to get smaller. I mean, we've all talked about it. It's the drought. Uh, it's the high feed costs, uh, you know, so on and so forth. But, uh, what I'm concerned, and you see it here, you got the stock market down two and a half, three percent here today. Uh, that is adding uh, pressure to the cattle. I mean, all you have to do is pull up a chart of the S&P uh, 500, and then pull up a chart on the same chart put on the uh, live cattle. I mean, it it is eerie how close the chart patterns resemble each other. So while I am fundamentally very friendly to cattle. Uh, I, I am concerned about the stock market, and if this stock market starts going south, uh, I would be definitely getting some protection on the cattle to the downside, and that way is you know buying some put options, uh, getting them locked into the downside because if cattle do have a four, five, ten percent decline, uh, those put options will increase in value. So we always like to get perspective from our guests as to what we should be watching during this week as all of the commodity markets are traded. What's something that we haven't covered yet that you think our listeners should pay attention to? Uh, you know, it's it's going to be the one thing that always is the one, the biggest thing that's the biggest surprise is anything geopolitical. I mean, right now, uh, from a fundamental side, you know, we have some cooling temperatures. Uh, we're, we're forecasted to bring some rains even into Iowa here later this week, which will definitely help out the beans. But I, I think it's it's any type of announcement out of Washington or China, uh, you know, something that the market isn't expecting that can really, you know, turn us lower one way or the other. So uh, I would just look for politics that uh, could catch us off guard here remainder of this week. Uh, 
the biggest thing though right now fundamentally will be the uh, crop tour taking place and i think uh, friday morning we get uh, uh we get the final results but each night uh they do give out the individual state uh, uh results that they were in from that day so um but yeah i i would look for washington from any major surprises well, Jeff, before we let you go, folks want to follow along with you on social media or elsewhere. How, how can they find you? I'm on Twitter at at Ag Hedger, or you can find me on the web at www.aghedgers.com. Sounds good, Jeff. Thank you so much for your time today. Certainly appreciate it. Yes, thank you, guys. Well, there you have it, Delaney, another Market Monday, another great conversation. We appreciate Jeff for joining us today. Absolutely, Tanner. That does it for this Monday edition of the Agnes Daily Podcast. We've got a really sick interview coming up tomorrow, pun intended. I see what uh, you did there. Yes, thank you. I was very proud of that. Yes, and listeners, when don't give up on us because we will be at Farm Progress Show next week, and we have announced that Agnes Daily and Farm for Profit will be teaming up every morning to record live. So if you're at Farm Progress Show, head to the Sukup booth around 10, 1030 every morning to get your live version of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Absolutely, Tanner. But with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. Mm-hmm.